Well, today what we're doing is we're continuing our series in the in the book of Exodus. And so if your Bibles, turn to Exodus, Exodus chapter 32. And we were actually there last week, but we're going to kind of review some things. And depending upon the time, we might get in a little bit in Exodus chapter 33 as well. But as you think about life and as we think about what, what God wants us to, to really uh, run to is, is truth. And we live in a world now where truth is... Uh, is really a battlefield, and we've all heard the whole scenario of fake news or news that is biased toward one uh, side of the aisle or the other. But as we think about what more, more than what is tr truth in terms of what we read about or see or, or focus on uh, on the internet or a, a, some other kind of a broadcast, is that what God wants us to understand that, that truth is always important. Uh, this past week, I was helping out one of our, our members. They were they, they need, and I took my lunch break and, and, and took one of the things that needed to be fixed. And, and uh, I won't mention uh, their names. It's my mom. But anyway, I, I went there and I, and, and she had a sewing machine that she wanted fixed. And so I, we went there and uh, most of the time when I'm with her, she wants me to drive. But I said, no, I want, I want to see how you're driving right now. So I got in the I put my life in, my, in her hands and I, and I went in the car and she, she drove. And I just want to let you know, she all drove very, very well. But uh, as we were driving to the place that was going to get fixed, uh, she, she was pretty confident that she knew where it was, and I, I wasn't quite as confident. I, I know I'm not confident in my own direction, so I, I put it on a GPS, okay, which uh, should take the whole mystery out of whether you're going to get there or not, but when we got to this cross-section, she was convinced that she ought to go left, and I was convinced she ought to go right, because that's what the GPS said. So as I was looking at ways, and we had this discussion, and there, there's no stubbornness in the Johnson family, but for, for one reason, she was convinced that she knew what was right, and, and I did not know what was right. So the, 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 the very simple question, do you turn right or you turn left, true or false, uh, we had this little verbal battle. And uh, for whatever reason, maybe um, I was a little bit more forceful than she was, she, she decided to defer to my directional guidance, and we went right rather than left. Well, the good news was that GPS was correct, and we got to the place we were supposed to get. But as you think about that, if we, in fact, um, not that I like to gloat, but I, I had her say many, many times, you were right, Mike, you were right, Mike, you were right, Mike. But beyond that, you know, the whole issue was, is we have to admit sometimes when we, we don't know what is true, if we're really going to be convinced uh, uh, that we're going down the right path. Uh, because we're going down the wrong path, if, if what we're following is the false plan, then we're, we're never going to run to the true plan. And, and really, as you think about this big book, it's a big book, it's got a lot of pages in it, and most of us don't have pictures in it, is it really is a book that speaks about the truth. And, and the most important the truth is the truth about God and the truth from God. And this is what the people of God were wrestling with. And in Exodus chapter 32, uh, we have them in that time period when which they had experienced all the amazing things that God had done for them. And, and yet they were taking a step back and they were, they were beginning to drift. And we looked at that last week. Uh, God's purposes, and, and we shared that, is that God, God has chosen to dwell among his people but on his own terms. But we have a tendency to make another choice and to... To our, go our own way and we reject the truth about God and the truth about God and, and we go our own way for our own reasons. And, and some of that is because we know we're going wrong and we just like where, the direction we're going. But sometimes we're, we're mistaken. We, we think we know what's true, but it's not true. And, and this is what's happening to God's people in Exodus chapter 32. And, and in reality, if I were to kind of summarize the whole chapter because we're not going to read through the entire chapter is, is what you have here is a scenario of people going the wrong direction uh, when they've been told the right direction. 
The next chapter 32 is, as God has sent Moses away, and it was a period of time, uh, for them it seemed like an eternity, but it was only 40 days, a little, a little over a month. And, and that month period of time, they, they decided that they're going to make their own God, and they, they made a golden calf. And, and then Moses gets aware of that. God tells him, and, and God is ticked off, and, and as God is ticked off, he's responding to Moses about what needs to be done. Then in the next verses, God uh, and, and Moses have this conversation. In the conversation when we have with God, we usually call that prayer. And, and he begins to make an entreaty to God, just pleading with God to do, do what is best. And, and then after that, uh, as he's trying to deal with the anger that God is having, Moses gets ticked off and he sees the people. And when he sees the people, he takes the Ten Commandments. And whether you saw the cartoon or the movie, he takes the, the two tablets and what does he do with them? He breaks them. He throws them down. And really what that was was not only a record of probably the Ten Commandments, and they were probably written on both sides, but there were, there were really two copies. One was God's copy and one was the people's copy. And it really was a legal agreement. It was, it was a treaty that they, they had both were signing on. God had signed his side, but they weren't doing really good on their side. And they had broken the covenant, the agreement, and treatment with God. And in the midst of that, uh, Moses has a conversation with his, his, uh, his brother Aaron. He said, well, how did this happen? And I'm sure we never react to God this way. We come up with some kind of lame excuse. Well, he said, well, it, it wasn't me. It was the people you left me with. And, and they gave me all these special medals and I threw them in this pot. And I don't know how it happened, but this calf just came out, you know. He said, come on now. And so then at that point, there becomes a crisis point because he's always dealing with a people's heart that are far from him. And so he calls out very simply, he said, well, who is going to be on the Lord's side? And there were some people who step up and there are other people who are just staying where they're at. And then there were some consequences that resulted from that. And then, 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 then there's the next step. What's God going to do with them now? Because we all have a past. We're now living in the present, but we're all, all wondering about what's going to happen in the future. Is God still going to be our God? Is he still going to fill the plan for us to go to the promised land? And all these are things that, that the people of God are wrestling. What is true about God? What is true about God is God's plan for our life? And what, what is the true uh, decisions and commitments we need to make? And what I want to do today is I, is I want to just talk about the truths that really hit this really strongly. If you have your outlines, and, and we're going to kind of race through some of, some of the things there, is that uh, the, the context of this is what I just shared with you. What it was happening with, with the people. Uh, they were wrestling with truth. And as they were wrestling with truth in Exodus 32, 7 through 9, God describes them, you have corrupted your relationship with me. You are far, far from the truth. And if we think that that's only about people in the days of Moses, uh, basically we're talking about 2,000 years roughly before Jesus arrives on the scene. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a picture of people throughout every generation. In Galatians chapter 1, we have Paul talking about a, a church that he was vitally involved in forming and starting, so he couldn't like point finger at somebody else. And, and when he writes back to him, he says, he says, Galatians, how could you so quickly depart to a different gospel, to a different God? And he says, I don't care whether an angel supernaturally comes in front of you and preaches something new about God. It's not true. It's, it's false. And then in Romans chapter 1, speaking about people again from every generation, it says this, look, I want you to understand that we're, we're all without excuse. You know, we, we, can't, we can't be like Adam who, when he sinned, who did he blame? He blamed, he blamed Eve, didn't he? 
All right? And when Aaron sinned, he, he blamed all of God's people. And, and he says, look, you're all without excuse. And, and, and some of you have more reasons to be convinced what is true because of just the blessings of where you've lived and who you, what family you were born into or the people you became in contact with that share the good news with you. But everyone is without excuse. And when we stand before a holy God has revealed himself, he said, look, you know, what you have done is you, you have taken that which is in the world and you've made a lie to be that which is true for you. And Romans 1, 18 through 25 speaks about you, you, you have exchanged the creature for the creator. But as we get into that, what, what I want us to deal with today is really, really look about is, is just what is it we believe about God? Sometimes when we think about God, we, we, we look for the, the good parts and then we kind of leave out the parts that maybe aren't, don't make us quite as comfortable. You know, we love singing about the grace of God and the love of God. But what we understand here, and, and this is with God's people, is that we need to understand that, that God is a God who disciplines his people. And not only does it discipline his people, but the good news, God always hears us. He hears our prayers. And then we think about why should we follow after? Because in the midst of all that we are and all that he is, God is always amazing. And now we're going to spend a lot of time on the last point. We'll probably get to that next week. But, but as we look at today, I, wanna, I want us to deal with, I guess, a, an uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversation about the true, the true God, the God who is true. This is not what we want to hear about God. That God is a God is the God who disciplines his people. So looking at Exodus chapter 32, and we're going to jump around this book, this chapter a little bit. We summarize the entire one. In verse 19 and 20, uh, we have this about um, what had happened with, with, with Moses, with his people. After it was obvious they had corrupted their faith, they had, they had played the harlot, they had done expressions of their worship of God in a sexual way rather than a worshipful way. And in Exodus chapter 32 verses 19 and 20, uh, we have these words recorded for us as Moses responds to his people uh, about what they have done and what we need to do what God has prepared to discipline us. Exodus 32, 19 and 20. It, it came about as soon as Moses came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. There's not, nothing wrong with dancing, but what they were doing after they were dancing, dancing, and Moses' anger burned, and he threw the tablets from the hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf, now this, this is the amazing thing, he took the calf which he had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it over the surface of the water and made the sons of Israel what? Drink it. Now, now, now just picture that for a moment. They obviously had been caught in their sin. They had obviously caught in, in changing uh, the truth about God and put it into an image, which God had plainly said in the first two commandments, don't have any other gods before me. Don't make any image of me. Don't reduce me into something that I'm not. And that's the first thing they did in what, what length of time? 40 days. It had only been 40 days. And so Moses, who had, who had appealed to, to God not to just destroy the people, now when he saw it face to face, he was so angry uh, that he took the t tablets and, and broke them. Uh, but then he took the calf and he, and he melted it down and spread it in the water and he made them what? Drink it. Now, I don't think it's too, too far to, to kind of picture what was he trying to communicate there. 
You know, you know, what you've done reduced God to this. I'm going to destroy that. I want you to own so much of that. I want you to put it in your body. I want you to drink it. There was, there was a camp I was at in, and uh, in fact, we were just trying to get on the bus to go to the camp and, the, the, you know, you know, high school guys, you know, they don't think they're that much. You know, they, well, anyway, he was, there, was a, there was a guy who was a senior who was going to camp. He was really looking forward to it. The important thing to me, he'd already paid his money. But he was chewing gum and he had this big wad of gum. And what he did is he threw it out of the bus and threw it on the ground. Well, for whatever reason, that just ticked me off, okay? How, how many have ever stepped on gum on your shoe? I think that'll be capital punishment, you know, when I see people do that. So, so you know, so what I did with him, I said, look it, get out of that bus right now and put that gum back in your mouth. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, 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 I had to pray so I, forgiveness for that after I did that. But, but he said, I'm not doing that. I said, well, then you're not going to camp. Well, yes, I'm going to camp. Look, I already got your money. I don't care. You're not going unless you put that gum in your mouth. Now, he put the gum in his mouth. All right. So, so, so you know, now at that moment, you know, it's almost like Moses here, isn't it? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Moses, but I'm saying, you know, why, why, did, I, why did I do that to him? Because I want him to realize I, that, we're not doing that. We're not throwing trash on the ground. We're not throwing gum on the ground. There's a trash can, right? You put it in here, right? And I think as we think about when we sin, okay, what we want to do is give all kinds of excuses, don't we? And, and, and we don't say, well, that really wasn't me. Or I, and you kind of step away. You don't associate with it. But look, at, it, 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 he never forgot, at least in my presence, that if he had gum in his mouth, he wasn't going to be thrown on the ground, Right? And I want you to understand, when we sin against God, that, that's the heart of God. He said, look, I, I want you to own what you've done. But, but, but the story goes on as we think about God disciplining his people. Uh, what God wants from us, he wants us to repent. When, when, we, when we sin, we need to recognize this. It's not as simple as saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry. Now, I, I think that's the first step that we feel bad about what we do. Usually, when I feel bad about what I do, is I feel bad about what people are going to think about me because I've done it and they saw it. Or when I was a child, I, I felt bad about it because I might be put on restriction. Or I'm, uh, I lived in the days where they spank, spank, you got spankings, okay? You know, is that I, I didn't want that. And so I felt sorry about that. Maybe if I said sorry, maybe if I shed a few, what? Tears. And, oh, he feels really bad about it. Well, that, that was enough. And they didn't, they didn't have to do anything to him, but... But I want you to understand that, that God not only wants us to be sorry about our sin, but he, he wants us to change our actions. And, and say, God, I, I don't ever want to do that again. And in Exodus chapter 32, we, we have Moses kind of illustrating what that really means. In Exodus chapter 32, beginning verse 25, it says this. Now, when Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies... Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him. And so he gave an invitation. It was a public invitation there. So look at it. You got, two, you got it's very simple. I'm going to make it very obvious. Either you're going to be on the Lord's side or you're going to just follow your own pattern. But, but you got to change the direction. And I think, we, at least I know I've, I've had this happen to me more times than it should have happened, but have you ever gone down the wrong way on a one-way street? You ever done that? Am I the only one who's ever gone down the wrong way on a one-way street? 
you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot better when no one's with you. But, you know, when you're someone with you, that, that's the most embarrassing thing. And it can be fairly dangerous, right? Well, you, 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 there's, only one, there's only one solution to that. What? You've you got to turn around. You've you got to make a course direction. Otherwise, you just got to dodge guard, and that's not going to work too long. And so as we think about God disciplining, and we're going to see how hard he disciplines in just a moment, is that, is that we need to recognize that that when we sin, we got to own it. And then secondly, we've got to say, I, I'm going to repent. I'm going to change directions. But here's the part that we need to realize is that there are consequences when God disciplines us. Look at verses 27 and 28 in Exodus chapter 32. He said, and this is the Lord, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, um, this is Moses actually saying to the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, every man of you put his sword upon his thigh. He's talking about the Levites who decided that they would go God's way. And go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp and kill and kill every man his brother and every man his friend and every man his neighbor. And so the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. You know, when I... When you think about it, I'm going to use this, I'm going to use this cookie, cookie for good reason until uh, I eat it, is that when they made that step, say, I'm going to be on the Lord's side, not, not the side of people who are rebelling against you, I, I, they were probably not really aware of what, what that really meant, right? They thought, well, I'm on, I'm on the winning team. I'm on the winning side. But, but now what was God calling them to do? I, I, I'm not only going to discipline these people, but I'm going to use you as a hand to discipline those people. Now, now God doesn't tell us to do that in the New Testament. I don't think that's going to happen tomorrow or the next day, but, but the discipline there was probably as hard on them. Well, yeah, how many parents have ever used that, that phrase? This is going to, you know, hurt me even if it's time out. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to what? Hurt you, right? That really even works with time out because that means you got to stay in house with them, right? But, but whatever it might be is that is this kind of discipline hurt them. Because they weren't just going to be using capital punishment against God's people with people they didn't know. He said, I, I want you to go for your brother. I want you to go for your neighbor. I want you to go for your friend. And, and so I just want you to understand that for all of us, and, and it's hard for us to even imagine that, but, but God hates sin. And, and there are consequences for God's people when we don't obey him. And this is just a picture of this. I want you to understand the 3,000 here was a, was, a, was a very small percentage of the male population in Israel at that time. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 37, there, there were 600,000 male men. So if you do the math, what is it? 0.05%. But those 3,000 were a picture. There are consequences when you rebel against God and don't repent. This is, this is the God that we sing about. This is the God that, that we surrender our lives to. This is the God that we see in so many different ways as merciful and gracious. But this is a God who disciplines his people. And there's an ultimate punishment for those who reject him. But I want you to understand that it even goes farther than that. That there are, there are extended discipline. Delayed discipline. Look at verses 34 and 35. But go now, and this is right after, and we're going to see this in a moment. 
that Moses had prayed that God would relent from further punishment of his people. But, he, but God says to the, and verse, well, we'll just jump to verse uh, 33. The Lord said to Moses, whoever sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. And then he goes on and says, but go now, lead the people where I told you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish, I will punish them for their sin. And then the Lord smote the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. Which sometimes that's how we again respond to God. Maybe something happens and we, we prayed, we've repented as best we could and, and we said, okay, and nothing happened immediately to us. We go, whew, I guess, I guess God, God let me go with that one. But let me tell you, the Bible says that you know, our sin will find us out. There, there are always consequences for sin. Remember when David and Bathsheba gave birth to a child in an adulterous relationship? That child perished physically. And, and so we need to recognize that as we think about a God that, that we know and serve, is that God is a God who disciplines There's a passage in 1 John 5, 16 and 17. You might want to look that up a little later. John is writing. John is known as the apostle of love. But then he talks about, I want you to know and understand there is a sin which leads unto death. And even we shared last week, if you think about the communion experience, God says, look, if you take communion in an unrighteous way, in an unworthy way, for some of you, that, that could be a cause for sickness to come upon you. And for some of you to, to sleep, which means I'm going to take you early because you're profaning that which is most precious, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you. So as we think about God, the truth about God, and, and we want to know the truth of God and the truth about God, we need to know that God is a God of disciplines. And in case that's not plain enough, let, let me read Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, it's very plain that we must understand that, that when God disciplines us, he disciplines us for his own good. And as the writer of Hebrews proclaims what is true about God, uh, this is what he says. This is reading the text, not making much comment on it. In Hebrews 12, we hear these words. It is for discipline that you endure God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Of course, the sadness about that is sometimes there are sons whom fathers don't discipline. But one who loves his son will discipline his son. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. We live in a broken world. And, and one of the challenging questions for us who who believe is, well, how, how can a good God allow so much suffering in the world? And we'll never understand the answer to that completely, but part of the answer is that, that, that God loves us and he disciplines people, gives them consequences for the actions to wake them up that they need to turn to him. 
and, and to grow their faith not only to the place of surrender, but a, a faith of maturity. You know, God has called all people to, to come to him with a childlike faith, but not remain in a faith that is childish. And often what, what those who are raised in the church struggle with is that as they begin their life in a, an environment which is wholesome and caring and loving, and then when the, the cares of this world come, their, their faith, which began as a child, remained childish. And they can't face the, the challenges that they're facing in the world now that they live in without being under the cocoon of their families. And so as we think about that, we need to teach our children, we need to teach and model that in our own lives. When things don't go right, that doesn't mean that God has gone wrong, but we live in a broken world where God disciplines people because of their action and their sin. But in the midst of that, we, we, we see the other side of the coin is that God hears our prayers. Looking earlier in the story as God is dealing with Moses, we see the anger of God expressed in Exodus chapter 32, verse 10. It says, now, now then let me alone, he's speaking to, to Moses, that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. And I will make you a great nation. He's speaking to Moses. I'm going to start this all over again. And we forget not only that God is a God of discipline, but that God is a God not only of grace and mercy and goodness, but he's a God of anger. And he expresses this to Moses and says, I'm just, I'm just going to start all over with this. And I'm not going to share this in a moment, but I, 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 what, what God is doing, he's testing Moses. He's testing Moses as the, as the mediator and the leader of God's people. And he's really saying, this is what I could rightfully do. And Moses does well with this test because he responds with a, a compassionate prayer. And it says here, then, then Moses entreated the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak saying, with evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and destroy them from the, the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. Now, now what we hear here is that we really have an insight about what what prayer really is. Prayer is being honest with God. It's, it, it's, it's sharing the deepest concerns upon our heart, but it's also recognizing who God is. And also to recognize what's most important in all that goes on in life is that, that, that God would be known, the truth about God be known. And, and so what God is saying, look at, look at, if, if you do what you rightfully have the opportunity to do, you are God. Have, have you thought about what your reputation is going to be? What's your rep going to be? How will people think about you? And particularly those who you have just not only set free, but the people you, hit, you set them free from, Egypt. They'll say, look, you know, they're God, powerful, but, but an angry, vengeful God. And so as, as he appeals to God, he appeals to God's mercy and his goodness. And, and so in the midst of a, a world gone wrong, we, we want to live in such a way, and we want to pray to a God in such a way that, so God, we want you to know in the midst of a world gone wrong that you're the only one that can make it right. That you are a merciful God in the midst of all the evil that's in the world. And so, so we ought to be praying that God's reputation uh, be lifted up and that his goodness might be displayed, his mercy as well. 
But, but then he goes on and he continues in this prayer. And, and it really gets to a, a section pretty soon, which really we struggle with. But he goes on and, and I not only want you, your reputation, what is true about you to be known, but I want you to know that, that everyone know that you are faithful to your promises. In Exodus 32, at verse thir- uh, 13, uh, we have this statement. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land which I have spoken, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. See, the, the problem, if you start this all over, people are going to say, well, you, you made this promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what are people going to say to you? That, that you're a fickle God, that you, you, that you, you cannot be trusted. That, you, that you're just like everyone that, uh, that we know. You, you break promises depending upon the circumstances of the day. And so when we think about prayer, we need to recognize uh, that God is a God who hears our prayers and we ought to appeal to Him based on who He is and, and what, is, what is best for people to, to see Him as He really is. But then, then you have a statement that, that, that really seems to be almost contradictory about what we know about God. In verse 14, it says this, so the Lord changed his mind. Some translations will say he repented. Some say he relented. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. And, and, and what you have here is that if you just had the picture of prayer, what you have is that, that God uh, was in a position of bringing judgment upon all of his people. God raised up Moses, testing him, testing his faith, calling him to pray. And in response to his prayer, he changed the course of action, what he was going to do in bringing consequence and judgment upon his people. But as we think about that, and, and this is the simple thing I want to share with you, is we think about prayer, God hears our prayers, and, and we ought to appeal to Him as far as who He is. He's merciful. He's a, he's a promise-keeping uh, God. But, but to recognize that, that, that God has, has the freedom to say either yes or no to our prayers. And, and there are times where we will pray and God will say no, and there are times God will say yes. But as you think about it, well, how can that be if God doesn't repent? Just sharing you a couple verses related to that. In um, Malachi 3.6, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. In Numbers 23.19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent or relent or change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Well, how do we understand that, that God relented or changed his mind or repented? Is he a fickle God? I think what we need to understand in the midst of understanding God is a God who disciplines. God is a God of anger. God is, an, uh, is a God who, who acts out when we deserve discipline and punishment. It, it, and we need to realize that the, the character of God does not change. God is always righteous. God is always holy. God is always wise. He's always good. But we need to understand that, that God, um, God is a God of, of emotions. And, and, and we need to realize as we look at the scripture that, and some theologians will say it this way, that, that we look at this from an anthropomorphic way, which simply means as men try to describe what God is doing, we have to use language that, that works for men or for people. 
we need to realize that what he is saying here, that this, this is how God is acting in ways that you can understand. God has not changed, but what we need to realize is how he feels about what we do does change. And when we sin, the Bible talks about that when we sin, that we grieve the heart of God. As you tell children, when, when you sin, you make God sad. And when we respond to God in prayer or we respond in a certain way, it changes how he feels and it changes how he responds. But it's always consistent with his character. And, and, and so as, as Moses cried out to God, he was able to, to change the heart of God, the feelings of God about his people, and God relented in giving them when they justly deserved. There are promises of God that are conditional and unconditional. There are things that he's decreed that will happen no matter what we do. But there are promises that are unconditional. It's responsive to what and how we respond to his revealed will for our lives individually and as a people. And so we see God here as a God who disciplines, a God who hears our prayers and we need to recognize that sometimes he says yes and sometimes he says no. In this particular section in Exodus 32, he said yes to the prayers of Moses. He said, look at, because you've understood that my reputation, not only my reputation, but me as a promise-keeping God is at stake here. I will refrain from giving all of these people justly what they do who have rejected me so quickly and so dramatically. And he was gracious to them. But God uh, continues to test the faith and teach Moses about faith because in Exodus 32, the end of the chapter, Moses tries again. After 3,000 men were slaughtered because of the rejection of following God, on the next day, Moses said to the people, you yourselves have committed a great sin and now I am coming up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Maybe I can make a covering for that what you have done. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, alas, this people has committed a great sin and, and they have made a God of gold for themselves. But now if you will, forgive them their sin and if not, please blot me from your book which you have written. Now, that, that's about as passionate a prayer as you're going to get. I said, look at the, the discipline they deserve, which is death. If you will be gracious and merciful, put that on me and not them. And with that, you're thinking, well, well, maybe God will do that. Maybe he'll let Moses be a mediator and take the, the just penalty for their sin. But God responds with a No. But now if you'll forgive their sin, if you please blot me out from your book which you have written, the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot them out of the book. So there are times where our sin will receive its just penalty. And God will say no. We're looking at a section today which is a sobering look at the living God. That when God's people rebel against him, God responds in a righteous and holy way. And, and he disciplines his people. And as we look at it from a, maybe a parental viewpoint, you know, it, it, as you 
as you think about raising children, there are times, and hopefully you can say this honestly about yourself, that, that you always love your children, but you don't always like them at the moment, right? There are times where, where it doesn't matter what they would do, you would, you would never stop loving them, but there are times you love them so much you have to discipline them. And that's how God treats his people as well. That we, we need to recognize we should be humble always uh, before him. In the section we're really not going to get to today, in, in Exodus chapter 33, God, God uh, he, he, does, he starts doing different things with his people he, 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 as he sends them out. And we'll just read one verse out of Exodus 33. He, he gives Moses his marching orders. Verse, chapter 33, verse 1. Then the Lord God spoke to Moses, Depart, go from here, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt to land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. Verse 2. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out all the tribes of that land and the, and the Jebusites. And, and, and then, he, then he goes on and says, I am sending an angel, but I'm telling you right now, I will not go with you. Because if I did go with you, I'm still angry over your sin, I would destroy you. Later on, and we'll see that next week, we, we see God's goodness prevailing. And those who couldn't get there apart from him, he chooses again to go with them. And because as we think, well, why would we serve a God? Because God is an amazing God. As we see who he really is, his glory, as we see his compassion and grace, the reason, the reason we live for him because of who he really is. But as we understand who he really is, we need to respond to him as, as, as he is. That the God who is gracious, the God who is compassionate, the God who is loving, the God who is forgiving, the God whose presence is always before us, is also the God who disciplines sin, who calls his people to repent. He calls all people to repent and to believe. The, the, the God who at times we, when, we, when we pray to him, we feel he's not hearing us, he always hears his people who come to him with a humble heart. But as we live for him, we need to recognize it all begins with understanding what is true about him, what is true about us, and what is the response we need to have before him. Let's go to prayer. Father, sometimes we, <laughs> we talk about times when we're living today as, I, I wish we were living in the good old days. Uh, but what days are the, were the good old days? Would, would we want to live in the, the days of Exodus chapter 32 where God, because of his holiness, called out people to slay 3,000 because of the rebellion and sin against and evil against him? Would, would we want to be in that time where God did not respond to the prayer of his, his mediator, Moses, in that day and said, no, uh, those who rebel against me, I will not blot out their sin and they will be punished. And yet sometimes we want to live in that world today where we feel that, that we ought to be able to get away with anything because we sing songs about Jesus or we pray prayers or we've, we go to church or we do some nice things to people or even some good things for people. But a, but a truth that, about God that, that we need to understand is that you're calling us to humbly come before you 
to be faithful, to express that there is good news that Jesus came to cover all of our sins, but we've got to turn from our ways and put our full trust and confidence in the one who, who can only change us from the inside out. Help us to live for you. Help us to, to ask ourselves, what is it in our lives that you're wanting to change? What is it in our lives that you want us to live differently for your sake? How can we better honor you with, with what we do and what we say and how we live? And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen.